The following program is a paid advertisement. The broadcast of this program does not represent an endorsement by WHLG-FM or Horizon Broadcasting of the products or views expressed herein. The following show was pre-recorded. Good morning, Florida. Your host again, John Wilkinson with the Financial Truths. I'm in the studio today. Actually, he's on the phone. <laughs> but uh, with Dr. Reverend Sean Alexander. Mr. Alexander, I've been working with him for several months on different projects on my business. And my, my, he's taught me a lot of different techniques uh, when it comes to marketing, uh, corporate taxes. Uh, he's also a chaplain as well. Uh, so thank you for being on the show, Mr. Dr. Reverend Sean Alexander, sir. My pleasure, John. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Of course. So again, today we're going to start talking about corporate taxes, personal taxes, joint ventures, things that the most common person doesn't understand or quite you know know about when it comes to getting into like opening a small business or even your you know like the type of business should i open what kind of entity should it be a llc should it be a s corp c corps sole proprietor um things are different different things like that that most people don't really understand about all right and then there's like things like joint ventures and how to cover yourself when it comes to joint ventures and how they particularly work as well. So let's get into like corporate taxes, uh, Mr. Alexander. Is that okay? I call you Alexander, right? Yeah, it's perfectly fine, John. Thank okay. you. Okay. So when it comes to corporate taxes, I know we have all kind of different entities when it comes to corporate taxes. We have the C Corp, the S Corp, the LLC. Uh, sole proprietor, did I miss any? And also the home-based business, which knows the Schedule C itself. Okay. All right. So can you go into some kind of, you know, talk about the tax implications of each of the different entities? I would be happy to, John. So the first thing we have to take a look at is that the person who just wants to start a small home-based business, that's like a little one-man shop, so to speak, and they want to rent out their house. That is a thing that is called a Schedule C. It's also known as a home-based business as well. And the way that that is actually recorded is it's recorded on a 1040, which essentially is your personal taxes each year. The biggest thing you deal with in regards to the sole proprietorship is the following problem. It's the fact that when it comes to tax liability and having the IRS possibly come up against you in regards to court's laws and so forth, the sole proprietor is one of which is that has the greatest ability to have the IRS or other entities come up against it because it doesn't have the protection the way an LLC does, which stands for Limited Liability Corporation. Now, what ends up happening in regards to it at the end of the tax year is that there's some things called Schedule C inside of the 1040. That's where it is that you record things that get involved, such as how much money is that you made, what your expenses are, what your costs are. For running that little one-man business is the way it actually works. Now, as we take a look at it, our next entity is actually a thing that is called a limited liability corp company or limited liability partnership if you're in partnership with someone. That document and the way that that's handled can be handled one of two ways. If you're in a partnership with someone or if you have more than one member that belongs to your LLC, with that, you'll be using a document called the 1065, which essentially is the document used for those forms. 
Now, what ends up happening is if you're only dealing with one person, however, it also is handled in regards to the same Schedule C that you use for a home-based business. Now, if you're also looking at having two people receiving money back as far as from inside the company or being recognized within that LLC, you want to make sure that you use that 1065 document for the purposes of actually doing that. And the reason why is because, therefore, you make sure that all the monies are reported. You also get a thing that's called a K-1 at the back end of it, which essentially is the document that you use for actually recording your personal taxes and being able to see the profits of the company that comes through. The next thing that we take a look at is the thing that's called the S-Corporation. The S-Corporation essentially has what they call shareholders. And that basically means the people who actually hold shares of that particular business entity. The shareholders also within the S-Corp are also protected from a liability standpoint and even more so than what an LLC actually is. Because what you find basically is that a limited liability company itself really is not recognized by the IRS, surprising enough. Where because it was never set up to that. So the IRS actually prefers to look at it as an S-Corp instead. As far as the documentation-wise, it's performed as far as on a thing that's called a 1120F. On there, once again, we're looking at as far as the money that's coming in. We're looking at as far as the cost that's involved. We're looking at as far as for expenses that are involved. And in that particular document, you also get involved with what's known as the balance sheet. So when you're getting involved with doing your documents in regards to accounting, you'll be basically getting an income statement, which also is known as the profit and loss statement, and also your balance sheets as well. Now, when it comes to those particular documents, what you will find is that because the S corporation being structured the way it is, when you make larger amounts such as $250,000 or more, you'll be needing to record your balance sheet actually on that S corporation document of the 1120S. And the same thing for the information that's recorded from your profit and loss statement. And finally, you have the C Corp. What I recommend for people usually is if they have a company that's making $85,000 a year or more that they may want to consider it having a C corporation. The downfall of it is that it's got double taxation, which means that you'll be charged as a company as well as being charged as an individual in regards to your taxes. So you have taxes coming from the corporation, and you also have taxes coming from you as a person. The way that you get paid inside of that C corporation is you receive salary, and that salary, of course, is then carries over to your personal side. It's where it carries to much like the LLC does, or excuse me, the S Corporation does, but it's very similar, but it's designed for companies that are larger in size and has more tax liability. So that's your primary difference that you're going to find, John. Excellent. Wow, that's a mouthful. <laughs> that was a lot of information. So I have a lot of people that come to me, you know, hey, uh, I'm going to open a corporation. I say, okay, what type of corporation you open? You know, like, what's the entity? Oh, LLC. Like, the majority of people, I don't understand why, you know, maybe they just hear that on the street or, you know, say an LLC, but usually when I ask them why, there's no answer behind it, <laughs> you know. So my personal, all my corporations besides my, you know, the nonprofit is S-Corps, and the reason I set that up for S-Corp is, like you mentioned, uh, the liability. From my understanding of S-Corp is they can't, you know, somebody sues you personally, they can't uh, come after the corporation and then vice versa. Is is that correct? It's actually they can't come after you as a person. That's what it boils down to. They can go after the corporation, but because you're actually underneath the veil of the S-Corp, that allows you to be much more protected than what you would be in a LLC or a sole proprietorship. Okay, so, but let's say if I get in a car accident and they sue me personally, can they sue the corporation? 
It depends on how much money there is, and the reason why is keep in mind that the limited liability companies, as well as the S Corporation, shows you as being one of the shareholders, but it also shows you as far as for being the only one if you are a sole limited liability company, like one personal owner of the LLC. In that particular case, they can come after you in regards to that piece of it because they're going to go after the money and stuff, but you'll still have some protection there. But especially in the LLC, there's much more capabilities of being sued from that perspective than what there would be with an S-Corp. Okay, so you heard it here first. Excellent. Good information to know. And I did not, you know, I understood that about the C-Corp, you know, about double taxation, but I didn't understand that why you should get one because I was like, why would anybody in the world get a C-Corp, you know, when you're getting double taxed? Um, I'm sure that on the, on the corporation side, the salary is deducted from, you know, the gross and then you have to pay uh, taxes on the net just like you would any other corporation, correct? That is correct, but the thing you want to remember is that when you're dealing with corporations, your ultimate goal is to have a zero tax return, which means that you're using your money wisely. So you have the money that actually comes in as your revenues, and then have expenses that pretty much balances out as what your revenues are. Okay, And then you have to remember that then you've got the tax liability sitting on the side of that, essentially that can happen coming off the net profit. So that's the thing you have to be careful of in regards to that. Whereas with the um, S-Corporation, what's going to happen is that your profit's going to carry over to you as a person, and you'll be taxed on that amount. Right. So, so that's the thing you have to keep in mind with the net profit. Okay. So, yeah. So one of the things that, you know, being a prior mortgage broker and um, or loan office or whatever you want to call it, and still, you know, helping people get finance for properties is that, you know, we see a lot of problems with, or especially in the past, not so much now because they kind of came up with uh, different techniques to get a finance. But, you know, a lot of people would tax write off a lot of things off of their uh, using their business, which is, you know, which they can, of course, and they have the right to. But then the lenders are going to look at the net, not the gross for the self-employed people. And so usually when they tax write off everything, they, you know, they're only showing 20000 or something small, you know, comparably of what they really you know, make, and so that kind of becomes a problem when you're doing FHA or other types of loans. Uh, you've heard of that before? Yeah, as a matter of fact, I know exactly what you're talking about. The biggest thing you want to look at in regards to that is that a lot of people do things like dividends coming off of the businesses, or they'll do also salary. Now, if thing is thing about positive about it is that if you see the money's coming in, especially if you're paying yourself a salary out of your company, that's the money to which it is that people like the mortgage companies and the car companies and so forth to be looking at because they say, well, how much money did you make this year? And, of course, then you've got that money that's sitting there. So it all depends on when it comes to your purposes as to whether you want to take it as far as for keeping the money in the business or if you're really thinking about things such as mortgages or car payments and things along those lines and not paying the stuff inside the company, then it's where it is that you want to make sure that you're paying yourself on a very regular basis, which is where it is that things such as salaries come into play. Okay. The other thing to remember also is that that salary is an expense, so therefore it is deductible at the end of the year. Okay, so you heard it here about the taxes, corporate taxes, and entities. Uh, this is John Wilkinson, your host with the Financial Truth. We'll be back. Stay tuned. Is your credit less than perfect? Worried about getting ripped off by a credit repair company? Look no further. 
Credit Solution Programs is a non-profit credit education and consumer advocates company with credit score improvement service that uses consumer credit rights under federal and state laws. Visit our site at creditproblemsolve.org or call 866-850-9360. Again, creditproblemsolve.org or call 866-850-9360. The Southern Sportsman Show is proudly brought to you by the Fish Florida Association. With your membership, you'll save time and money and get to choose from over 45 member benefits, services, and exposure for your business. Not to mention you get to be a big part of giving back to conservation, preservation, and charities working hard out there to make a difference. To get signed up, visit the Fish Florida mobile app or fishfloridaassociation.com. Looking for faith-based solutions to challenges you're experiencing in your life? Meet Reverend Dr. Sean Alexander, who's been recognized as the head of Chaplains International. He is a member of the clergy, a diplomat of the National Board of Christian Clinical Therapists, a board-certified supervisor, and a presidential member of the American Association of Christian Counseling. Dr. Sean can provide pastoral counseling and coaching for adults and children. As a Christian, there is nothing more important than to walk the path that God has for you in your life and business and to achieve the things that Christ has for you in your life. To book a pastoral counseling appointment, please visit drshawnalexander.org. Credit Solution Experts is a proud vendor and a member of the Fish Florida Association. They are offering help with credit repair, credit counseling, business lines of credit, loans, and more. Please reach out and give them a call today. They can help. Just call 954-318-2923 or visit them on the web at credit-repair-professions.com. Everyone at Fish307.com would like to take a moment to thank you, their customers, for your business and trust throughout the years, which have allowed Fish307 to become one of the worldwide leaders in the recreational fishing industry. Fish307.com is your number one resource to take care of all your fishing tackle needs and so much more. On their website, you can also find great tips and tricks to make your fishing experiences more fun. Check them out at Fish307.com today. They have all kinds of great values waiting. So remember, Fish307.com. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section, when Dad injured his back, when your basketball star tore his ACL. Opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them, just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful, pain-reducing prescription medicines. But most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets. Anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Good morning, Florida. 
This is the Financial Truth. I am your host, John Wilkinson. I have my guest, Dr. Reverend Sean Alexander. Okay, so just in case you just tuned in, we are going over the different types of corporation entities. So you have the S-Corp, the C-Corp, the LLC, the sole proprietor, and you mentioned one other one, Sean. Which one was that? The LLP, the Limited Liability Partnership. Okay, the LLP. There you go. So we were talking about how the different ones affect you tax-wise, right? And so now we're going to go over like some of the common mistakes and talking about business growth and common mistakes that people make when starting a small business. So what are the common mistakes that, you know, you hear or see, uh, Sean, when it comes to that opening a small business? The biggest thing to remember, John, yes, you've got the tax entities that we've just finished talking about. But then comes the next thing, which it is I find that a lot of times there's challenges. And that's in the areas of when we start looking at their books from an accounting standpoint. First of all is that when you get your revenue coming in or your money's coming in from your company, the first question we have to ask ourselves is how we're we going to track that money. Okay? As we look at that, basically there's multiple softwares out there such as Zoho Books, such as QuickBooks, and many others that are such as that right now that's being used within the industry. However, when it comes to the profit and loss statement, also called the income statement, that's where things become very much important that we start looking at what's actually configured. We first of all have to look at what we call our tax Bible or our accounting Bible, which essentially is known as the chart of accounts. Okay, with the chart of accounts, it's where it is that you're going to actually set up your individual accounts for your business in the way that you actually do business. Those things are broken into things such as what your bank accounts are, also, what your current assets, your current liabilities, your regular assets, your other liabilities, as well as your um, cost of goods coming in, as well as your expenses that comes across, and all those numbers that carry through. Now, when you're first looking as far as from a book, as in the chart of accounts, what you're going to find is that the information usually stored at the top, especially like in Zoho Books and in QuickBooks, usually carries over to where the balance sheet is. And that's where it is that you look at things such as your assets, your liabilities, your equities, and the money to which it is that is sitting there from a profitability standpoint. And, of course, your net profit will be sitting in there as also. But then the other side is your profit and loss statement, which essentially is going to be the money that is used for an operational standpoint. And there you'll find your revenues, you'll find your gross profit, your cost of goods, your expenses, and also your net, your net profits in there as well. But why is that important? If we're looking at it from a growth perspective, what we're going to find is that first there's a couple of calculations that you need to monitor very closely, and this needs to be done on a monthly basis. And business owners, if you're not looking at your books monthly, you need to be looking at them monthly, and you need to understand what these numbers actually mean because they can either lose you money or make you money. And, of course, we prefer the latter, which is, of course, making the money. That first number that we're looking at is the thing that is called the gross profit percentage. That gross profit percentage allows us to see what the monies are that we've grown over the past month. And, of course, our ultimate goal is to have 100% growth happening over that month period. The way that's calculated is by taking the gross profit divided by the revenues, which then will go ahead and give you that gross profit percentage. Now, there is another figure we do have to keep in mind, and that other number happens to be called the net profit percentage. Once again, the way that that's established is by taking the net income that you have coming in, 
dividing it by the revenues that you have, and that will give you the net profit percentage, which allows you to determine in regards to what your, your profitability is in the way of a percentage number for that particular month. Once again, we're looking at growth in regards to trying to grow our business, and so we want to make sure we're looking at it from that perspective. Now, the place where a lot of people make mistakes is when it comes to things dealing with their cost of goods sold and their expenses. We need to, very important to look at what those costs are because if you're not looking at your costs, you can be basically being charged by your vendors a lot of money where it is that you should not even be thinking about having to pay because there are better monies that you can actually go and pay better pricing for your vendors to know about. So our goal here is basically to get the lowest number possible within that cost of goods sold. And, of course, if we're getting involved with the expense side of it, that's where it is that, once again, we want to be looking at how can we lower our expenses. And it's very important that we look as far as what those numbers are actually in that particular month that we're spending and compare it to previous months as well as previous years to see exactly as to what that looks like as well. So if you keep that in mind, once again, we're looking at money coming in, which is your revenue. You have the cost of goods sold, which you're going to subtract out and keep having those strengths. Then you have the gross profit and the gross profit percentage, which allows us to see revenue growth. We have our expenses going and spending each month. And, of course, the goal is to spend as little as possible in that area and to try to keep that down as much as possible so we keep money in the company from a revenue standpoint. And then the last one, of course, being a net profit with a net profit percentage. So those are the things that you need to be monitoring very closely from a growth perspective. Okay. Wow, that's a lot. (laughs) So... What I've learned, you know, because when I going over these numbers and you're a small business and you're you have so many things to do, especially if you wear so many hats, you have to go over these numbers. So that's where I learned that's where you have to learn to where you can pivot or, you know, or make a little adjustments in your business to make that growth, you know, more, more substantial and make that net profit start climbing so you have more money in your pocket instead. Yeah, so what if you made a million dollars this year gross, but if your net <laughs> is only $10,000, then you're spending a lot of money versus and not hardly making any money into your pocket. So that's, you know, what it really boils down to is getting the business to grow and seeing what the the really the net is and where all the money is coming from and where it's going when it boils down to all the formulas. So that's that excellent. totally true, John. And that's what you want to remember also is that even with the net profits, remember we talked about keeping the net profits down and actually keeping the money in the company? Right. Even there, we have to look at things like retained earnings, which essentially is money that we've earned over previous years that has been carried over to this current year in regards to the money that we maintained. And that's dealing with things like reserves as well. So the thing you want to keep in mind is that, once again, we want to try to keep it to a point where it's very manageable. But at the same time, we have to sit back and say, okay, how much money am I possibly giving to myself, and am I even paying myself enough? You know, there was a book that was written not too long ago that's called Profits First. That particular book outlines the fact of paying yourself 10% to start out with when you first get the money coming into the company itself, paying yourself that 10% so you can actually feel and see the profits in your own personal pocket growing, which once again applies to things carrying through, like we talked about earlier, to your mortgage as well as to your car payments and so forth. So you can have the things that are important for you within your life to be able to enjoy your life at the same time. 
Right. That, yes, that completely makes sense. I mean, because if you got to pay yourself first, because if you don't pay yourself first, and when it comes down to it, you're probably not going to pay yourself at all. Like, you know, that's the kind of way I started out. You know, I was by myself. I wore all the hats. Um, you know, whatever the money came in from doing the service and then, you know, spending on rent and cable and then everything else that comes with the business. You know, sorry, I wasn't even hardly paying myself, you know, after everything was said and done. And so then that I, I did kind of like what you said as I went, sat back and looked at all the numbers, the, the, the full picture, the seeing what I could adjust and tweak and so forth to make it uh, to come out better and to pay myself, you know, as they say, pay the pig first, right? Exactly. The other thing to look at, too, is that there was a book that was written many years ago. Essentially, it's by Robert Kiyosaki. You probably have heard of Rich Dad and Poor Dad. Oh, yes, I've read that. If you take a look at that, if you look at the left-hand side, you see the E and you see the S. E stands being employee, which basically means that you work with somebody else, they control your paycheck, and they control the amount of money that you make. If you look at the S, the S essentially stands for self-employed. Self-employed means that you've got 24 hours a day, seven days a week that you can devote but that's all you have is 24 hours a day, seven days a week is all you have to work with. So that's called the poor side and the poor dad side. But if we look at the rich dad side, it talks about having a business and investing. The key to having a business, of course, is to look at it as what your time actually is, and either by bringing employees, bringing on contractors, bringing others that can help you to grow your team out, and at the same time to look at how you can duplicate yourself and also at the same time in regards to that even as to how much your time really is worth. And, of course, delegating those things that are not earning the same amount of money which it is that you're capable of earning on that particular hourly basis or monthly basis or annual basis. And, of course, then taking the revenues and then investing in things such as real estate. That's an example, of course, this one, which is one of the best investment tools that are out there. And that is called the cash flow quadrant. I remember that. that. <laughs> it's also called Rich Dad, Poor Dad, too. Right, rich dad, poor dad, but in the book it was, I think, called the cash flow quadrant. But excellent. So we'll be back and we'll go back over some of this and how the cash flow quadrant and the rich dad, poor dad uh, is, works. This is John Wilkinson in the studio with Sean Alexander. This is the Financial Truths, and we'll be back. Thank you, everybody. All of us at the Southern Sportsman are proud to promote Forever Outdoors, which is working hard to make a difference. You can find them on Facebook and the Fish Florida mobile app. Every donation benefits organ donations and saving lives around the world. Thank you, Rob Robinson, for the work you have done to save lives. Donate today. Every dollar counts. The Fish Florida Association is here for you during these difficult times. When you join FFA, they'll work together with you to help your business with exposure, promotion, advertising, marketing, and services that will save your company hundreds, if not thousands of dollars for just a $199 setup fee and $19.95 monthly service fee. To join, just go to fishfloridaassociation.com or give them a call at 561-900-4283. 
Hey folks, this is Captain Terry here to talk to you about Hooked on Heroes. Hooked on Heroes is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. 100% of donations go to take veterans on fishing trips. Hooked on Heroes takes 250 to 300 veterans on one-day fishing trips twice a year. You can donate to this great cause through their website at hookedonheroes.com or call Ron at 386-364-9589. That's Ron at 386-364-9589. They need your help getting rods and reels and leader and other fishing items for these fishing trips all the veterans at hooked on heroes want to thank you in advance for your support during these difficult times the national single parents resource center has expanded to help anyone who would like to get the facts to deal with everyday challenges especially during this pandemic if you or someone you know needs a caring and compassionate ear or someone to talk to please reach out to our vendor coach judy who has been honored nationally for her work and coaching please give her a call at 561-441-8557 or visit her site at coachjudy.info Thanks much to our sponsor, New Concept Lures. They hold over seven U.S. patents, and all lures are unique in design and American-made. You can even have custom lures made to meet your needs. Visit New Concept Lures at newconceptlures.com, and you can also find them on the Fish Florida mobile app. Our legal plans offers toll-free phone consultation on personal legal matters, letters slash phone calls, will preparation, and more. All legal plans provide a guaranteed 10 to 25% discount on legal services not otherwise covered by the plan. We realize how difficult it can be to keep a business going in today's market. Having an attorney available for the legal situations known to arise in the business environment gives peace of mind to run a business with less worry. The business legal plan can help with contract and document review, debt collection, contract disputes, trial defense, partnerships, consumer fraud, workers' compensation, incorporation, and much more. Call 772-348-4011 for more information. Again, that's 772-348-4011. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Good morning, Florida. This is the Financial Truths. I am your host, John Wilkinson. I am on the phone today with Dr. Revan Sean Alexander. So if you just tuned in, we're actually discussing right now about we went through the different types of entities, the different common mistakes, business growth. And I would like to go into like joint ventures as well. But before we do that, we were talking about uh, poor man, rich dad, poor dad. And I was talking about there was another book called The Cashflow Quadrant, which you mentioned in there. So we have on one side of the quadrant, we have the if you are like if you're worth. Self, uh, sorry, self-employed, 
and regular employed, right? So if you take yourself out the picture on that side of the quadrant, then you're not making any funds. You're not making any money. So, But if you're on the other side of the quadrant, which is being a business owner or an investor, right? So then if you take yourself out the picture, right, then you're still making money because as a business owner, you have people working for you. And such, you should have management as well. That's a true business versus being self-employed. Because if you take yourself out of the picture being self-employed, there's no money coming in. Versus being a business owner or being an investor where you have your money working for you. Um, so anything you want to add on that, Tashan? Actually, there is. The thing I want to add to it is that if you look at it the way that Robert actually looks at it, as he talks about in regards to your own self-worth and when it comes to your corporate self-worth as well as your individual self-worth. And the way that basically is done, as he takes a look at it, is they look at the liabilities minus the equity that leaves you the thing that's called your assets. And your assets is really how the self-worth is actually measured and your business worth is actually measured. So when people are looking at it and saying, well, how much is this person worth? It's the amount of assets they have. It doesn't necessarily have to be cash, even though cash can be part of it. But also it gets involved with things such as real estate as an example in regards to other things that you physically own that adds up what your assets actually are. So don't let it confuse you that it's cash only because it's not. So if you look at the whole picture, look at it from a standpoint saying, what do I have away of cash, personal property that I own, business property I own, your house, like your houses and so forth, or your corporations and your corporate buildings and so forth. So you've got to look at the whole picture is what you actually look at in regards to how much that value actually is. Okay, so so when you mentioned mortgages now or home loans now, so I consider that a liability because now you still owe on the property, but then some people say it's an asset because maybe you have equity in the property. What are your thoughts on that? I fully agree in regards to that. The reason why is because of the fact that, first of all, liability is, yes, the money that's being paid every month and be going, i got to pay this bill. I'm going to pay my mortgage payment. But what they have to look at is the value of the house or the value of the commercial property on how much it is actually appreciating each month. Plus, the other thing you look at, too, it's not just the physical building, but if you own the land also, much like McDonald's does. McDonald's is a real estate company, as an example. And what they look at, like Ray Kroc, he looks at the land that the physical building is standing on, and then he also puts the building on top of that, which is actually paying for the land on the property. So in reality, it's growing in value rather than being just a monthly payment you're making. Okay, yeah, because they're not making any more land, right? That's right. It <laughs> continues to gain value. Excellent. All right, so let's move on into JVs or what is known as joint ventures. Now, I don't personally don't have a lot of um, insight into this, but I know you do, uh, Mr. Sean Alexander. So can you shed some light on about JVs or joint ventures, how they work, what to look for, and so forth? Absolutely. I'd be happy to do it. I'm going to give a very basic explanation, a way to think about it. If you have a person who wants to get married, for instance, okay, you have the groom who essentially goes out to the jeweler to find the ring for his babe and who it is that he's going to be loving and giving his ring to. And, of course, she's going to go, wow, look at the beautiful throne and all that kind of stuff. But if you take a look at it, what ends up happening is that he starts with the jeweler, and once he gives that to her and she says, yes, I want to get married to you, honey, the next thing that happens is that they've got to go out and they've got to find someone to do the wedding. So that's going to be the clergy. And then they've got to find some place to be able to hold it. That's the wedding venue. And then they've got to worry about things like the cake. They have to worry about the invitation. And then they also have to have to worry about the florist. 
Well, let's take it to the next level. Next thing we have to think about is things such as the limousine. We have to think about the tuxedos. We have to think about her dress and all the things that goes along with that. If we look at joint ventures, the way that basically works is that let's say that we're the florist. If we are the florist, then I've got the persons above me, which is the jeweler. I have the clergy. I have also the wedding venue. I have the instructors, the decorators, and the invitations. All those are people which it is that the leads are coming down from, okay, in order to get to the florist. So the next thing happens, of course, then the florist goes to the limousine. He then goes down to the dresses, down to the tuxes. Once again, there's a potential. So what he's doing is he's taking those leads and passing them downward. Now, if I look at it from a joint venture perspective, what ends up happening is let's say that florist is looking for leads. It's perfect ones to get those leads from are the jeweler, the clergy, the invitations, the cake, the venue. All those people can pass down one lead per month or more to that florist. That gives him leads automatically as coming from these people. Now, the way he says thank you to them is that he gives 10% of whatever he earns from the money he earns from those leads, and he gives it back to his partners. That's what he ends up doing. And, of course, the partners are happy because they're making money, and all they're doing is passing leads through to him. Well, let's take it to the people who are below that florist. If we take and map that out, then we've got the limousine, we have the tux, and we have the dress. Once again, he's passing those leads down, and then what they're doing is they give him 10% once again. So he's got money rolling both directions. He's also getting the leads coming in, so he's got a continual flow of leads that's taking place. And, of course, what he does, he has a partnership with every single one of those entities to make sure that act takes place. A lot of times where people get confused is when it comes to the areas of referrals. They go, I'm going to send this referral to a person. Well, what ends up happening is if they're not joint venture, is that that referral comes over to the person, but the person doesn't give anything back to the person they gave the lead in most cases. So if you look at it, joint venture means that we've got things going on both directions, whereas just being a referral partner means it's only going on one direction. Okay, so it's like revolving, right? So exactly. Go, right, so it's going back and forth. They're referring leads to one and vice versa. So there you go. Exactly. That's that's an excellent explanation. I mean, that really sums it up. Yeah, matter of fact, John, you're a great joint venture partner of mine as well. And I thank you for the leads. And, of course, you know that I try to take care of you as well in every way I can. Yeah, of course, of course. All right, so, and not only are you a doctor, so I'm assuming you have your Ph.D., but you're also a reverend and a chaplain, which is your main focus. So I know there's, you kind of explained or went over some of this with me. There's, like, different types of chaplains and environments and so forth. Can you explain to the public, you know, about the different uh, types and what a really a chaplain really does? I would be happy to do that, John. First of all, is that from the degree standpoint, I have a doctorate in pastoral counseling, and I also have a doctorate in divinity. So I'm actually a double doctor. Okay, wow. Okay, doctor, doctor. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so as we take a look at that, chaplaincy is something a lot of people do not understand. And the reason why they do not understand it is because of the following reasons. They think that the chaplain who's out in the field, they associate like with a hospital chaplain or like Father McKay who came off the MASH. He was the chaplain for the MASH unit. Mm-hmm. What ends up happening is that that chaplain actually serves, if he's walking, working in the Christian community, he serves about 140 denominations or more. That's how much he serves. In the world, there's actually over 3,000 different denominations in the Christian faith, and most people don't realize that. Okay, so that's the first thing. Mm-hmm. Secondly, is that we serve in the areas of presence, 
comfort and hope. That means that we are not taking the word of God and causing the person to be like in the church, for instance, where the pastor will stand up front and preach at a person and preach toward a person to sharing the word. We are not in that particular guide. If you notice, I said the word presence. Presence basically means that we are enacting or imitating the love of Christ toward people who are out in the community if you're a Christian chaplain. Now, there's different types of chaplains. There's ones such as Muslim chaplains. There's the ones that are Islamic. There are ones who are Jewish. There are different denominations of faith, all who have their own chaplains. That's what ends up happening. Now, those chaplains in the community actually serves as the pastoral role out in the community itself. So they are actually the, what I call the soldiers of Christ is the best way to say it, so the soldiers of God, or if they're working in the Christian community. But they're also people who are very loving and very caring and so forth, especially from the other denominations as well. So we're actually working hand-in-hand with each other as a very large team together as individual soldiers, like I said. If we take a look at that piece of it, we've got things such as hospital chaplains, and with that you have to be board certified, as well as you have to have a Master's of Divinity in order to be able to qualify to actually become getting a paid position with a hospital. There's also ones who work in hospice as well, things such as VTOX and and TrustBridge are good examples of ones dealing with hospice who have their own chaplains that work together with them. We have ones like police chaplains. We have ones for the sheriff's department. We have one as far as for the ambulance services and emergency services. We have fire chaplains. We have community chaplains. We have military chaplains. We have things like motorcycle chaplains and bus chaplains. So there's all kinds of different chaplaincies that people don't realize. And when those come, people come to me and say, I want to help other people. Well, the first thing I look at is do they have a call in their life actually to go out and help the community at that level? And a lot of times they just want to help people, period. And those are the people a lot of times that we're looking for that we can actually hone in the way of chaplaincy to go out and help in those various areas that they want to help in. You know, I've got some of which is that come to me and they said, I want to help people who are like women in distress. That's an example. With the women in distress, of course, going as a chaplain means that they are working directly with the women who are in the facilities to be able to work through other challenges that they make. Now, the other thing people don't realize about chaplains also is that most chaplains usually have a degree in dealing with things like counseling or pastoral counseling, okay? Now, with us, because of being a part of an organization that I'm actually the general supervisor for on a global scale, is I'm with Chaplains International, and I'm the general supervisor. Now, my role basically is to work together with people to provide them the training, which takes 20 weeks of training just to get through the basic training for chaplaincy, in order to help them to get to that next step that they're looking for, like the police and fire and so forth that I mentioned. During that training, they start figuring out in regards to what and they really want to do from a ministry standpoint, we shall call it, in order to go out and help the community. But if they want to take it to the next level, they go ahead and go after things such as their degree in pastoral counseling. With wow. that, it's where it is that Chaplains International actually offers that training. Okay, so there's a lot of chaplains. Uh, this is John, your credit uh, for... Um the financial truths and we'll be back everybody <laughs> the southern sportsman show is proudly brought to you by the fish florida association with your membership you'll save time and money and get to choose from over 45 member benefits services and exposure for your business not to mention you get to be a big part of giving back to conservation preservation and charities working hard out there to make a difference to get signed up visit the fish florida mobile app or fishfloridaassociation.com 
looking for faith-based solutions to challenges you're experiencing in your life? Meet Reverend Dr. Sean Alexander, who's been recognized as the head of Chaplains International. He is a member of the clergy, a diplomat of the National Board of Christian Clinical Therapists, a board-certified supervisor, and a presidential member of the American Association of Christian Counseling. Dr. Sean can provide pastoral counseling and coaching for adults and children. As a Christian, there is nothing more important than to walk the path that God has for you in your life and business and to achieve the things that Christ has for you in your life. To book a pastoral counseling appointment, please visit drshawnalexander.org. Is your credit less than perfect? Worried about getting ripped off by a credit repair company? Look no further. Credit Solution Programs is a non-profit credit education and consumer advocates company with credit score improvement service that uses consumer credit rights under federal and state laws. Visit our site at creditproblemsolve.org or call 866-850-9360. Again, creditproblemsolve.org or call 866-850-9360. Everyone at Fish307.com would like to take a moment to thank you, their customers, for your business and trust throughout the years, which have allowed Fish307 to become one of the worldwide leaders in the recreational fishing industry. Fish307.com is your number one resource to take care of all your fishing tackle needs and so much more. On their website, you can also find great tips and tricks to make your fishing experiences more fun. Check them out at Fish307.com today. They have all kinds of great values waiting. So remember, Fish307.com. All of us at the Southern Sportsman are proud to promote Forever Outdoors, which is working hard to make a difference. You can find them on Facebook and the Fish Florida mobile app. Every donation benefits organ donations and saving lives around the world. Thank you, Rob Robinson, for the work you've done to save lives. Donate today. Every dollar counts. I am a veteran. I spent two years alone and homeless. As America's veterans face challenges, DAV is there. My victory was finding the support to get back on my feet. DAV helps veterans of every generation get the benefits they've earned. I'm a veteran. When I got out, I felt like nowhere was safe. So veterans can reach victories, great and small. My victory was finding the help I needed. Thanks to DAV, now I feel like I'm human again. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Good morning, Florida. This is the Financial Truths. I am your host, John Wilkinson. I have a guest today, Dr. Dr. Reverend Sean Alexander. Why did I say doctor twice? Because he has two doctor degrees. Uh, So we were talking earlier. uh, Well, we covered a lot of different things today. We talked uh, talked about the different entities when it comes to business. We talked about some of the common mistakes uh, when it comes to taxes and accounting and how, you know, to do business growth when you're looking at the numbers. And we are also talking about joint ventures. And now we're talking about the different types of uh, chaplain there is. Uh, So, Sean, you were going over the different types. You said there were like... uh, um, church chaplains, all the way to hospital chaplains, down to fire, hospital, and there's like all different types of chaplains, correct? That is correct, John. Thanks for asking. Now, when it comes to that piece of it right now, I'm actually actively recruiting across the United States and beyond at this particular moment. I'm looking for people who truly have a calling on their life, who have the love of God and love of other people. And I'm looking for people which is that want to really get involved with us and actually help us to build the teams out across the United States. So that's something which is I want to make sure that the word does get out. And, of course, I'd like to share my phone number if I can. Is that okay? Yes, of course. And your website, too, please. 
Absolutely. So my phone number is 954-465-0398. And my website is dr. Sean Alexander. That's S-E-A-N Alexander.org. So that's 954-465-0398, DrSeanAlexander.org. Now, as we looked at that, the other thing, too, is that I personally work in the areas of pastoral counseling as well. That basically means that I work together in the areas of marriage and family. I get involved with stress. I get involved with depression, anxiety. Also, I heard that we were talking about post-traumatic stress disorder in one of the announcements, so I do directly get involved with that as well. And as many clients it is that I work closely with. On top of that, I also offer Christian coaching also for the persons who are wanting to have personalized coaching and life coaching from a Christian perspective. So I definitely am able to help people from that perspective also. So there's many things that I touch in regards to being a chaplain. It also involves counseling as well. This is very excellent to know because I, you know, I'm a Marine Corps veteran myself. I suffered, you know, some from PSTD as well as anxiety. And, um, you know, when you go to the VA the, you know, to get assistance, they really don't have the psych- psychological, you know, to sit there and talk to you. They have the psychologist really which is prescribing you medicine <laughs> for whatever they think, you know, is a matter with you or, you know, whatever they diagnose you with. They don't really have the psychologist to sit there and talk to you and, and walk you through everything and face your fears and so forth and of course anything that you mentioned to the doctors of course they can put into your medical records and anybody that you know you release your medical records to can have that information unlike if you're maybe talking to a chaplain and helping out with there maybe that's you know a lot more confidentiality is am i right that is totally correct john matter of fact one of the things that i do in the case also let's talk about payment Basically, I offer things as far as for out-of-network, which basically means that the person pays me the fees of basically his assets, the floating fee, so each individual person is different. But they pay that money on the front, and I give them the invoice, which has all the proper codes and things so that they turn into their insurance companies, and then they can get the reimbursement as well. And since it's on a floating scale, there's no one that I am not able to help because my number one goal is to help as many people as possible. Now, from a confidentiality standpoint, there is a thing that essentially gets involved directly. It's called the HIPAA Act, which with HIPAA basically means that once it comes into the things we're working with in regards to confidentiality, especially being clergy, it stays with us. It doesn't go any further, and basically it's like to tell people it goes with us to the grave because that's the type of commitment that we have to our clients. Excellent. That's excellent to know. So if you don't want stuff directly in your medical, and even if you're a veteran such as myself and you use the VA, uh, you can reach out to a chaplain and get assistance and send that invoice to the VA, make a claim, and I'm sure they'll cover it without any kind of issues. You're allowed to go outside of the VA as well for your veterans that are out there. Um, So some of the books that we talked about were... The uh, see profit first that you mentioned, which is a, a book that talks about I guess paying yourself first, right? Rich dad, poor dad, right? We talked about rich dad, poor dad, which kind of goes into uh, being self-employed versus being a business owner versus being regular employee and an investor, and a book that I read as well, which kind of covers the same thing as the cash flow quadrant, right? As well. And another book I personally recommend that I see 
that a lot of Americans, you know, do is they're always trying to compete with each other when it comes to materialistic things, right? And so there's a book called The Latte Factor, right? So what it really goes over and explains to people is just because you get a bonus, you spend more money, right? And just because you're making more money doesn't mean you have to go buy and buy a latte every day, which is usually about five bucks or depending on where you go, and spending that five bucks every day adds up a lot. You know, I'll give you a particular example. We had a Marine uh, when I was in, and he was spending a lot of money. He couldn't figure out where his money's going to. And so he went to one of the uh, accountants there on base, and they looked at where his money was going. He was spending money every day on what we call the gut truck, or is the truck where the, the food and drinks come and he was spending so much, like five bucks or whatever, but it kept adding up. And so you don't get very, <laughs> paid very much when you're in the military, especially if you're just enlisted. And so we, they found out that, man, he was spending, a, giving a lot of his money to the, the gut truck every day on that. So um, you have to look at where your money is going, everybody. And just because you make more money doesn't mean you need to spend more money, which is I see a lot of people doing. You know, they get... Uh, a bonus or a promotion or whatever, then they go buy a card and they got more bills, and you're still at the same point. Yes, you got something materialistic, which is depreciating in value most likely, but you know you're not leaving yourself no cushion. You're not putting away money like you should. So when you get that bonus or whatever, put it to the side or that promotion. Don't even think about that extra and try to put it to the side. Um, would you rec- recommend that? I mean, it's kind of like I know in the military they had a particular name for it that you could go and they would just take it out automatically and you wouldn't even see the money. I think it was called an allotment. You've heard that, that is correct. It actually is because I'm part military also. I'm part Air Force. And it is the allotment that essentially that you do have. So the answer is yes, I agree with what you're saying because what happens is that people do spend things like the coffee money like you're discussing as well as many other things when you start looking at. So one of the things that I personally do is when I'm working with people, especially on the financial side, is that we establish a financial budget. I work together with Crown Financial Ministries as well as with Dave Ramsey's organization. So we actually apply the Total Peace University and Crown Principles when I'm working together with people in the financial aspect to get their financial life together. And so therefore it really gives them a chance to get their life in order where it needs to be on a financial level to keep them away from things like bankruptcy and things. Right, because, I mean, you know, some Americans, you know, they skip one or two paychecks, and they're in some serious problems. I mean, with just three payments in 90 days being late on your car payment, your car could disappear. I mean, they repossess it. And that's not funny. I mean, it's a scary feeling. You look outside hoping your car is going to be there where you can go to work because you're behind on your payments that – and they're going to take your assets that uh, to get you to work to make the money to pay them. So I could definitely understand that. So try to leave yourself some breathing room. And when you do get that extra funds that you didn't expect or whatever the case may be, then try to go to your business. Maybe ask them if they have an allotment program to put that money to the side where you don't even notice it, you know, or even contact your financial institution, you know, to do the same thing. And the same, you know, same thing when it comes to small businesses, you know, learn to separate your small business credit from your personal credit. A lot of people fund their small business with their personal credit. The business goes under, so does their personal credit as well. 
So I want to thank you so much, Sean, for being on the call today, uh, giving all this insight information to everybody. Uh, if you could, one more time, give everybody your phone number and your website to contact you, sir. That certainly is. My phone number is 954-465-0398. My um, website is dr, like doctor, Sean, is S-E-A-N. Alexander.org. So that's Dr. Sean Alexander.org. Excellent. Thank you so much for being on the show. Remember the books, everybody The Cash Flow Quadrant, Latte Factor, Profit First, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Those are some excellent books for you to uh, read. Um, when it comes to finances, reach out to Dr. Sean Alexander here if you have any questions about business entities, accounting or even on the chaplain side as well. Um, so I want everybody, you know, to look at your finances, take, you know, take a step back, look at everything, see where the money's coming in, see where the money's coming out, and so forth, make your adjustments accordingly. Again, this is John Wilkinson, The Financial Truths. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next Saturday. <music>